Hey, people of Earth, it's Josh. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode of the podcast this week. Uh, I talked to CJ Cassiata, who is the author of Get Weird, um, a book that I just recently finished, and it's so, so good. It's a book uh, I think every person needs to read. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating or being paid to say that. Um, but it's a, it's an amazing book. Uh, it was really, really helpful to me and I think it would be helpful to everyone. Uh, so we talk about his book, uh, some of the other work that he's doing now, which is really exciting. And, um, it's just a really, really good conversation. I think it's going to be really helpful. So I'm excited for you guys to hear that before we get into that. I want to tell you a few things. First, we are sponsored by audible. And as it turns out, CJ's book is available on Audible, and so you can get CJ's book for free if you sign up for a trial of Audible, and the way to do that is audibletrial.com slash goodhumans, uh, and then you can get one free audiobook of your choosing. Get Weird is one of those. I highly recommend it, uh, so you should check that out. Um, I do have a few other exciting things in the works, um, that we're going to be, uh, working together as a community on, I hope. Um, and so I'm going to tell you more about that soon. The only other thing I want to tell you though, right now, uh, is to head on over to the website, goodhumanspod.com, claim your free stickers for every sticker that's claimed a dollar is going into a, uh, a bucket for some kind of a charitable, charitable cause, which I actually have an idea of where that's going to go. Um, so do that and get some stickers, uh, and, and it'll be cool. Good human swag that you can stick on your laptop or your car or your forehead or your baby or whatever. Um, so do that, uh, check out audibletrialcom slash good humans for your free audiobook. And that's it. That's all I want to tell you before we get into this episode, because I'm very, very excited for you to meet CJ. He's such a cool guy, um, very smart, uh, and I think you're going to like this episode. So please enjoy, and thank you for listening. Oh, P.S., my cat also makes an appearance on this episode. He is not a featured guest, however, and it was an unwelcome appearance, so please don't mind him. Sorry about that. Enjoy! Uh, welcome everyone. Hello, people of earth. Welcome back to good humans. Uh, this is a podcast about exploring better ways to be human. My name is Josh and, uh, I'm really excited because I have a guest with me today. Um, and I, I'm so excited to have this conversation. Uh, please welcome CJ Cassiata, um, who, whose last name I know how to say this time around, uh, cause we already had one conversation. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We did, but we're we're doing it again. So this is great. Glad yeah, to be here. Um, I'm I'm really happy you were able to make time for it. Um, I'm excited to talk about uh, some of your work, um, the book, uh, which uh, I I have a lot of these a lot of people that listen to this podcast are friends of mine. Um, so I'm sure I've already talked to a lot of people about the book. But the book is called Get Weird. Uh, it's out now, both in. Uh, hard copy and on Audible, correct? That's correct. Yeah, we just came out with the audio um, Audible version, audio book version, um, which most people listen to on Audible um, a couple weeks ago. So yeah, there's there's that too. It's awesome. It's now in That's every awesome. in every format, Kindle, all the things. That's really cool. I think cave um, paintings. There's a there's a cave painting <laughs> version as well. Hieroglyphics. It's okay, great, but you have to travel to see that one. Yes, it's true. That's okay, true. perfect. All right. Uh, and the audible version, um, is there anything like you, is there like any extras in there or, um, I, well, I, sorry, I'm like setting you up for failure if there's not, I'm just, I'm, it's not, it's <laughs> well, not a bad thing if there's not. Just, no, you just get to hear, you know, my, my friends who, who've read the, the book, they're like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is, I, I hear your voice in my head when I'm actually reading this thing. And so. Okay, that's cool. Now it's actually it's actually me narrating it, and so it gets very New York very fast. When I get passionate about something, I'm originally from <laughs> Long Island, New York, and so sometimes that accent comes out. So I warn people, you know, as the book progresses, it gets a uh, it gets a little bit more, you know, New York, Long Island. I love it. I love it. Um, I, I often say one of my favorite things about audiobooks is that the authors are the ones reading their own book. Yeah, and so you get to hear exactly how these sentences are supposed to sound, uh, how they were intended to sound. So I, right. I love that. I think that's great. Um, so I'll probably pick it up on Audible too. I mean, I did the um, first half as Morgan Freeman as an you know impression. Oh, and so that's even better. That's a little that's weird, but, um, but yeah, I, I just feel like he's, he's, he's got such a great <laughs> voice. Maybe I should just try and emulate it, but 
maybe didn't really maybe work we out can too get, well. Maybe we can get some of that on this episode. <laughs> maybe maybe later on after you loosened up a little bit. Um, I know you talk about Kermit the Frog later on in the book too, so maybe there's maybe there's that's a right. Yeah, there's Kermit a whole chapter that just sounds exactly like Kermit. It's, there's a, so to answer your question, there's a lot of Easter eggs if you get the Got audible it. version. Okay, that's perfect. <laughs> um, and as it turns out, Audio uh, Audible actually, actually sponsors the podcast. So, oh, that's awesome. Um, People are going to be so disappointed, by the way, if they believe any of this is true. <laughs> I do not uh, sound like Kermit the Frog on purpose on the podcast or Morgan Freeman. <laughs> not on purpose. I was just going to let people think that that was the case. And then <laughs> worst comes to worst, they get a free book. I want my uh, money back. Sign up for the I'm going to get horrible trial, Amazon so. reviews. He does not sound like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, uh, I, I have a lot of questions for you. And I know I can't take all of your day. Um, so if, if you're all right, let's, we'll just jump in. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with some questions and, uh, we'll see where the conversation goes. Let's do it. That's Love all it. right. Okay. So before we get into the book, cause I definitely want to talk about the book. And after we talk about the book, I know you're doing even more cool stuff now. Um, and so I want to make sure that we talk about that and then let people know about everything they need to know about. But before we get into all that, <clears throat> um, I, um, this is something I'm always curious about with. Uh, a lot of people that I talk to, um, how do you, so like in social settings or at parties or, or things like that, how, how would you describe yourself to somebody who you're just becoming acquainted with and you know, the work you do and all of that? Like what's, what's your elevator pitch, so to speak at like social yeah. events? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, a writer and media producer. And, um, recently we, we started a nonprofit, um, that helps kids, uh, be more creative and kind. And so the, the thing that sort of is the, the bullseye of, of all the different things that I do is I, I genuinely believe that imagination has the power to, to make a difference. And the more people who know that um, at, a, at the, like the earliest age possible, I think the more our world is going to become what we all want it to look like. And so that's the work that I'm really passionate about, the stuff that I'm dedicating my life to is really helping uh, people know from the earliest age possible that a, uh, they have an imagination that's a, that's a uniquely human gift, and B, it's there to solve problems, to change minds, to make things better than they were before. That's so cool. Um, and we're definitely going to talk more about that here in a little bit, uh, because um, there is still, as of right now, when we're recording, there's still an Indiegogo Live, correct? Correct. Yes, definitely. Okay. And that's, is there a cutoff date for that? That'll be, uh, we're going to cut that off on December 17th, I believe. Okay, perfect. So there'll still be time yeah. for people to, to get involved. So we're going to talk about more about that because I, I love what you're doing there. I think it's such a cool idea. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to talk about that later on this podcast, but I'm also going to, I'm going to keep plugging that on the podcast if that's okay. I love I, it. Please do. That's so yeah. great. Um, cool. Uh, so my next question is, um, sort of related to that. So like, you uh, you are an author now. Um, you just finished uh, your book, Get Weird. Um, I learned last time we talked that we you also have uh, a ebook that you you also wrote. Um, so I I'm always curious when I when I talk to authors too. Did you did you always feel like you had a book inside of you, or was this sort of the product of just sort of living your experience and then realizing, hey, maybe this could help somebody. No. Yeah. It's a good question. Um, cause there's both, right? I mean, there's lots of people who kind of use like a book as, as a, um, a piece of their platform and mm -hmm. they'll either hire a ghostwriter, but really, I mean, I'm not, I'm not good at many things, Joel. And I don't say that, I don't say that, uh, pessimistically. I just, I say that realistically, uh, but I've, I've always been a decent writer. I've always, you know, I, I, even as a kid, I just sort of understood grammar and, you know, writing pretty, um, pretty intuitively. I was really good at, I think I got like, you know, some sort of award called like the English award in high school, which is, you know, was basically a glorified paper weight, but it, it mattered to me because it was the English award and, um, I really loved it. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, even, even my work as like a, a media producer or, um, a speaker or a consultant or, you know, especially the stuff that we're doing now, um, you know, with this nonprofit helping kids, it, it, I start from a place of, of, of writing and, um, and I just love language. I love words. And, and so, yeah, this is, this is kind of a dream come true to, to put my first book out in, in, you know, my early thirties. And I, I hope it's not the, the last, but, um, but we'll see. 
I love it. Uh, I, <clears throat> I was an English major myself. Um, so we have a passion for English, uh, in common. Um, I love that. And, uh, I, so I, I've, I've also always loved reading and language and things like that. And, um, one thing I noticed, I, I noticed this years ago, um, and it's always sort of intrigued me, but, uh, I was, I was reading through the book of Proverbs in the Bible, um, for, for anybody that's not familiar with the Bible, that's, that's where that book is located. Um, and I don't remember the exact chapter, but there's a chapter in Proverbs. I, I think it's in the teens that the whole chapter, or at least a very large portion of the chapter talks about the whole thing is about words, um, and how your words affect people, uh, saying, you know, the right kind of words to, to people and to yourself. And then right in the middle of that passage, there's a verse, uh, that says the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. And it always seemed odd to me. That there was a verse like that in the middle of a whole passage about words. And then it sort of hit me at some point that words lead to action. Hmm. And so the writer there is sort of calling that out right in the middle of all this and sort of reminding you thoughts and words definitely matter. But what's happening here is that your words are leading to action at some point. And so, you know, keep that in mind as well. Um, Mm. You know, it's not just about mentality and, and, you know, whether or not you're hurting someone's feelings or that kind of thing. Um, So all that to say, I, I love the focus on writing and words and language because I do think that's important as well. Yeah, I mean they're they're powerful, man, and they're not going away with everything that yeah. becomes automated and as the world continues to change, we still need a way to to communicate our, our our deepest feelings and emotions to each other. And so I'm banking on the 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 hope that that those things don't go away and, and um we as a society and a culture have even a, a, a greater respect for them as, as we continue to evolve. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I love that. Um, in, in the process of, of writing this book, uh, what do you feel like was the most, was there anything that was surprising to you about the process that you didn't necessarily expect? Um, or, you know, something that just sort of, you know, came to you while you were writing the book or was there anything surprising about that process for you? Yeah, I think, I think of, I think how much of a, a memoir it, it became, like how, how personal of a project it actually was. Like, you know, when you, you sort of flush out a book at first, you've got this this outline and you, you know exactly where you want to take the readers and you, you've got like a, essentially a thesis statement, right? But mm-hmm. then you're kind of filling it in with all these stories. And, and, you know, my initial idea was to fill this thing in with a bunch of case studies uh, from, from out there, from the exterior world, you know what I mean? And, and, sure. and what ended up happening is I ended up sort of stepping back into my childhood and um, realizing that this is really, you know, my story to tell. And so I'm just kind of surprised it's got so much of, you know, my own journey in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see, I could see how having a direction for it and then sort of it just, it's going in its own direction. It's its own sort of living, breathing thing. And then it, it just kind of takes you along with it. Yeah. I could see where that would be surprising. Um, but I, I just, this is one reader, but I, I love that it went that direction because so many of the stories, both from your childhood and your adult life are so relatable. Um, I, I just, I think it's, I think the fact that it is so personal is, is one of the things that make this, makes this a great book. Oh, thanks, man. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm not just saying it's a great book because you're, you're on the podcast and we're talking about it <laughs> at the moment. I, I've, I've honestly, I've told, uh, my wife and, and a bunch of my friends, really anybody that'll listen since I've read the book, I, I think this is a book that everyone needs to read. I, I don't, that's not hyperbole. I think this is a book that every person needs to read um because i I think the message here is so good so vital that's really cool um okay so enough teasing about the book we can get into the book now um if that's all right and then so kind of what i plan to do is i have i have uh a book full of post-it notes just marking like a ton (laughs) of pages um and i was like highlighting like a madman while i was reading through the book but um 
yeah, I just I kind of want to like go through some of the passages in the book um, without giving away the whole thing. So people still have to to get the book to actually experience it. But I just kind of want to like pick your brain on a few of the things you said in here and like see if we can like open some of these ideas up a little more um, and and really just like flesh some of this stuff out, if that's all right. I would love that. Awesome. OK, so the first one I have um, is is pretty close to the beginning of the book. Um, page 21. Um and I just I liked this because I was I was raised uh, religiously. I was raised in a Baptist home. Um, and even at that, there was a lot of that upbringing that, that not everything made sense to me. Um, and I, I love what you say here. You're talking about uh, Christ, the miracle of Christ where he turns water into wine. Um, and you say, I think one of the characteristics I, I like most about the Christ is that he had an uncanny knack for being the life of the party without being the center of attention. Um and I had never really thought about it that way, but then it, it sort of led me to the question, do you, do you feel like this is a characteristic of people that are sort of leaning into their, their weird, their sacred weird, so to speak, um, in that it's in, in that moment when you're really owning that, leaning into it and just sort of going with what makes you weird and unique do you find that for, for most people when they're doing that, it's, it's, it ends up being sort of a thing of, of being the life of the party without being the center of attention. It's sort of just, this is what I'm here to give. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty tough tension, right? I mean, there's a, there's a, an aspect of trying to be different almost for a different sake, right? You can kind of tell when somebody is, is, you know, we, we would, we would call it trying too hard, right? You know, Mm -hmm. trying to be, cool trying to to stand out and you can kind of see them grasping for the center of attention what intrigues me about um the religious figure you know of of the christ and i think kind of anybody who sort of owns their weird with and you can kind of tell that it's coming from a deeper sort of convicted place is that um they're brimming with, with, with life. They're brimming with, with passion, but yet that's not taking away somebody else's position um, in a circle. And, and I, I don't know. I just, I think I've, I've seen that a bunch of times and, and um, yeah, I'm even thinking of like two or three people right now who, who I can point to and go, that's very true of them. And it's, it's funny. It's like you write some of these things and you're like, you don't even really think about them as until somebody who reads it kind of interprets it their own way. Like you just did. And, um, and yeah, that is a really fascinating juxtaposition, huh? Like I'm not trying to say, yeah. Oh wow. I just, I just wrote something <laughs> fascinating. That was actually a, it is, a, a, a phrase that, um, one of my, my friends sort of gave me and I kind of wove it into the book, but, but yeah, isn't that true that there are these figures who, I think are so confident in how they're uniquely made and what their purpose mm-hmm. is on, on, on the planet that, um, they're, they're magnetic, but they, uh, they're magnetic, but they don't, um, they don't polarize anybody. Yeah. And I, I like what you said about the the fact that it's, it's not about, it's not about taking somebody else's place um, or, you know, uh, outshining somebody else or eclipsing somebody else as much it is, as it is just really living into who you are and what you are. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think that's, that's an important distinction too, because one, the outcome possibly could be the same. I, I don't think that it would be entirely the same, but the, the outcome could possibly be the same, but the, there's a there's a difference in the fact that you, while you are giving something, you're also taking something away from, you know, the greater good. Whereas if you're just here to give what you're giving, then you're at you're just adding to um, without without subtracting anyone else, uh, yeah. which I love. I love that idea. Um, you uh, you asked a question in the book a little bit later on. Um, that's that's probably one of the most sobering questions I've been asked for for in recent memory, at least. Mm-hmm. And um, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since it's been a few weeks now since I finished the book, maybe a month. 
and I'm, I still think about this at least once or twice a day. But the question is, so you, you were talking about, um, uh, you know, sort of when, when we're young, we have this sort of just innate wonder for the world and, um, we're kids are weird. Kids are just so weird. Um, and it's beautiful. Just kids say and do crazy, strange things because they haven't learned that it's not okay to be strange yet. Um, and then you ask the question, where were you? And you got the weird kicked out of you. Um, and then you tell about your experience, uh, in the fourth grade, um, when the weird was kicked out of you, but that, uh, that's just such a huge question. Um, it was, it hit me so hard when I read that, that I actually, I had to stop reading the book for a little while and just think about that before I kept on reading. But can you, um, can you just like talk more about that? Talk more about the, the idea of having the weird kicked out of you, why you feel like that happens. Um, and, and maybe how we can, I I know we talk a little bit about that later in the book too, how we can kind of start getting back to it. But why do you feel like we get the weird kicked out of us and what exactly were you meaning by that? I don't know why we get the weird kicked out of us, but I think every one of us does. And I think it comes at a different point in, in each of our lives. Most of the time though, I think it, it happens when we're kids. I think we all start out. I think that one of the most fascinating things about kids. And as I look back at my life and as I look at, you know, my, my own kid's life, it's like, it's like, nobody has to teach us how to imagine things. Like mm-hmm. we just instinctively do it. Like we, we are, are pre-installed with this unbelievable proclivity toward innovation and we just do it naturally. And then at some point, uh, it could be a parent, teacher, coach, friend, whatever it is, bully. It was like, you know, somebody sees that happening in us and they go, oh, that's a little too out there. That's a little too different. Um, we don't like that. So we're going to ostracize you or we're going to put you down for that. And again, that takes a, a variety of different uh, shapes and sizes, you know, but um, but yeah, I don't know why that happens other than like, you know, herd mentality and all that you sure. know, good stuff. Yeah. And um, But it happens. And what I think our our journey is is to figure out how to reconnect with that pre pre kicked version of ourself, which usually, again, in, in many cases, this happens when you're uh, when you're a kid. So it's usually going back to when you were uh, when you were that kid. And I, I think there's different generations of it too. Right. I mean, I, I can, sure. I could, I, you know, if I, if I look back at my, my child in my life, it, it feels very much like a, like a, a boxing match, you know, where I go, okay, I start off and I'm, 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 you know, just done the whole Rocky thing and the, you know, the eye of the tigers playing <laughs> on in the background and I'm just ready. And I'm like, yeah, look, look at me. I've got all this imagination. And then boom, you know, first grade, someone's like, eh, I don't like that. I don't, you know, that, that, that's a little too weird. And then, you, you know, but you're still in the ring, right? So you keep yeah. on going and you go, no, 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 I'm going to do this. This is who I am. And then, you know, junior high comes along and boom, you know, not only do I have acne, but you know, and then, so you got to make, that's a, that's, you got to deal with that. But, uh, you know, that's like having a, a you know, a broken wrist or something like that while you're trying to fight. But then somebody else doesn't see value in that weirdness again. And then you, you know, you go to college and hopefully college is a place where you're able to, to experiment with those ideas in a, in a classroom setting and, and, you know, professors and everything can, can excavate that. But sometimes it's not, sometimes you go, no, you're, you're wrong. That's the wrong answer. And that's a, you know, another, another hit. And then you have your first job and you go, well, I'm going to think outside the box here. I'm going to bring something. And, you know, your employer's like, boom, no, I just want you to, to sit down, shut up and like get the job done. And so I think it's different levels of life kind of beating the creativity and the weirdness out of us. And our, our, I think our journey, like I said, is, is to figure out, um, how to, lead and how to operate from a, a, a source where those, those punches don't necessarily knock us out of the ring. Um, but they, 
they keep us fighting. Yeah. That's so good. I, I love the analogy of, of life as a boxing match. Uh, <laughs> cause I, I, I can definitely relate to that too. I, I, I hadn't planned on asking this, but you, you made me think of something while you were talking about that. I, so we, we see it more and more, uh, social media and YouTube and just the availability to, of, of a lot of resources. I mean, you can self publish books now. Like, how do you, how do you feel all this? What do you, what do you think this says about the future of like the American workforce and, and corporate America? I mean, there is so much of that for so long, there's been so much of this, uh, you got to fit in, in this box, this one box and be this forever. And that's being a successful quote unquote person. Um, do, do you feel like there's a shift sort of starting, um, that, that, people are sort of waking up and realizing, oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of different ways this could go and it doesn't have to be this one box. Yeah. Well, I feel a little bit mixed about that because in even, even in the analogy that I gave, it's like, I don't, sometimes, especially millennials and, you know, we can act like, um, you know, we're, we're God's, you know, gift to, to, to humanity and, and we can have no bad ideas. And sometimes it's, it's really appropriate to, um, to step into somebody else's vision, bringing your unique self to it, but also making, um, somebody else's vision come to life. And so mm. what I'm talking about is a, a deeper, you know, some, sometimes what you just you, you can do something and it's and it's wrong and it's a it's a it's a failure and it doesn't and it doesn't work um, and that's actually really okay. I actually talk about that in the book. And so um, there's a difference, I think, if you're an employer or or you know a boss coming along and saying, "Hey, look, um, that that was an experiment that failed and <laughs> and that's good and here and and let let's let's coach you through that. Let's actually um, figure out." steps toward um, doing something that actually creates the result that we want versus, hey, I saw you bring your unique self to the table. I don't like that. It's not welcome here. And if you do that again, you're done. That, that, that's the difference, I think, between motivating a millennial and crushing their spirit and thereby sending them out to be you know, the next freelancer, the next solopreneur. Um, so I think, I, I think on one, on the one hand, and this might not be the, the answer to the question you're, you're asking, but I think on the one hand, millennials need to develop a little bit of a, uh, a thicker skin and a yeah. uh, realization that it takes communities to build remarkable things. And if we all have a bunch of solopreneurs around the planet and, and, and there, there are no teams doing anything, we're going to create a, a, a very lonely society um, it's not, it's just not going to be as fun because it's really right. fun to build things together. And, um, B, we're not going to be able to do as much as we can, uh, together as we, um, we're not going to be able to do as much as we can together if we, if we're just going solo. Uh, there's a, um, a principle in the book by, um, a guy named uh, Gramas, uh, who is this French Lithuanian everything man, you know, uh, every man, mm-hmm. sci- scientist and stuff. And, you know, he, he talks about this principle in mathematics where um, things that are actually operating together create more um, momentum than something just operating alone. So that's actually a, a mathematical principle. And so I think on the one hand, millennials need to realize that and, um, you know, not be so individualistic. And on the other hand, um, employers need to not be so individualistic in their sense of, Hey, I just want to drive my vision. And because I'm older, because I'm more established, because I'm the one employing these people, I have all the answers and can't possibly learn something from somebody who's fresher, younger, and closer to that child, um, in years that, that we want um, had, but has been kicked out of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love that answer. Uh, that, I mean, 
that's there's no I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. So it's not that you definitely answered my question. Um, I, I I hadn't really thought of it in in sort of that dichotomy um, and sort of trying to to meet somewhere in the middle. But I I think I think you're right. I think there is. I th- I think there's a need for perspective probably on yeah. on both sides of that. Um, yeah, which which then hopefully brings us somewhere in the middle, and then you know we've got collaboration, but also new ideas. Um, you uh, one of the things I love about the book um, is there's there's a few instances in the book where you make some pretty important distinctions. Um, that that are nuanced, I think, but are are probably easy to. These distinctions are easy to not make. I think. Yeah. Um, but I think they're important to make, and you do that a few times. But one of the times you do that is in a statement that it's it's one short sentence. It seems really really simple when you read it, and then the more you think about it, the more I think big, the, the bigger the idea gets, but it's on page 73. You say, uh, it seems we're prone to confuse I- influence with idolatry. Hmm. Um, and I, I read it and then I, I kept reading and then I kept thinking about that statement. So I had to go back and read it again. And that idea just kind of kept growing in, in my brain. So I was wondering if you talk a little bit more about that and, what you're saying there. Cause I, I feel like I have a pretty good idea of what you're saying there, but I'd, yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that idea specifically. Well, I think that just because we idolize something doesn't mean it's necessarily influential, right. Or, or at mm-hmm. least it's not influential, um, positively. So, you know, we might judge something that gets a, uh, a, a ton of engagement and likes on, on Instagram, but that thing may not, be an authentic representation that moves the world forward an inch. Um, we might filter something and that may um, give us, you know, a ton of, of momentum from a, from a, a social media, you know, perspective. People will, will, will like it. People will engage it, but not necessarily um, be moved by it, you know? So, yeah. There's a difference between those two things. And I think throughout history, you've got a lot of examples of this. You know, I, I talk about the, the pineapple, right? Like back in the yeah. 1800s, people would actually rent pineapples for a party because pineapples were a sign of wealth. So they didn't necessarily own the pineapple, but they wanted to create the illusion that they were wealthy enough to own a pineapple. So they would literally rent a pineapple, put it on their fireplace mantle during the party, and then return it. That's you know a, what's hilarious to me about that though is in this time when people are doing this, everyone had to have known that everyone was doing this, right? Because everyone was doing this, right? So you'd go to somebody's house and there'd be a pineapple on the mantle, and I like logically you would know. Well, they probably rented it because I know these people. And I know they're not that well to do, but we're still all sort of playing along with this, yeah, crazy game. I mean, in many ways, there's, there's a couple of like themes in, in this book, but you know, somebody called it a permission slip the other day, which I thought was really cool. Um, but in, in many ways it's a, it's a pointing out that the emperor is naked. Yeah. You yep. know what I mean? Like, and so it, there's not too much of a difference between a pineapple and a, you know, perfectly angled and filtered selfie. Yeah. You know, I think it was in That's the true. early 1900, I don't know, I forget if it was in the 1700s or, or 1900s, but people did the same thing with, um, this is gross, but with, uh, w- with their teeth because people would actually blacken their teeth. They would, you know, put black paint on their teeth because sugar was a really expensive commodity. Mm-hmm. And so if you were, you know, imagine going to a business meeting and you wanted to, to look, this is the same thing as, you know, people who, you know, have these small businesses and end up leasing you know, these Mercedes, but they can't afford uh, the Mercedes to, to create the illusion of, of power and of prestige. You know, people would, would put black paint on their teeth to make people believe that they were just eating so much sugar all day long, which was yeah. so expensive that their teeth were actually rotting. This was a real thing. And I know we laugh and I know we joke about how 
could anybody possibly do this? But I mean, again, look at social media culture, look at um, how we obsess over, over likes and engagement and, um, you know, all the things that, that, that we are convinced equate to influence today. Yeah, man, that's so good. That's so good. And I, I love, I love those examples. And I, I know there's those, and I, I think maybe even a couple others are in the book and I was, I was reading those and I, I just kept thinking how ridiculous it is. But then when you do again, create the sort of the comparison between that and what we do today, which is like the perfectly angled selfie or like, uh, Hey, I'm eating at this really fancy restaurant. Isn't my life awesome? Um, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're talking about perceived value versus like real depth and value. Um, and it, it just gets silly, but I, I, we get so wrapped up in it. We don't realize it's silly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, one of the things I love that you talked about in the book was, um, this, this little trick that you do before you, uh, like have a speaking engagement, um, or before you do anything that, that makes you nervous. Um, and I was, I was wondering if you could talk about sort of how that came about, um, you know, what that is and, and what that means to you. Yeah. I mean, this goes back to what we were talking about in the very beginning about being the life of the party versus the center of attention. You you see those people who have something to prove and then you see those people who, who just feel like they've, you can, you can tell they've got something to give and they know they have something Mm -hmm. to give. And so my wife one time told me, so you need to shift your perspective from as only you know your spouse can tell you you need to shift your your perspective from she said it a lot more gentler than this but from something to prove uh to something to give and it's literally it's a one it's that's a one word one syllable shift but it makes all the difference for me personally i mean i'm even thinking about getting it like you know tattooed because it's something that i have to consciously remind myself My, my my programming my hardwiring is not equipped <laughs> to to default to the something to give versus something to prove yeah. mentality. There's something I think permanently dismantled there. I was watching what was his name? Who's the guy who wrote with Chappelle all those years who did um he just did a Netflix special about it was like three it was like uh, what was it called? Like three chairs or something like that and it was about Three, he did. It was really cool. It was like one oh, was a man, spoken sure. word thing. One was a Neil Neil Brennan. Neil Brennan, yeah, a really okay. brilliant comedy writer. And he said, "I mean, I, I don't, I don't think I've got depression. Like, I mean, I, I definitely don't. Um, like he does. I think he's he's got a pretty bad case of it. But he was like, man, there is a there's a, a gaping hole where my self esteem should be. And I really resonated with that. I'm like, man, I, I feel like I don't have that." whatever block that is the um that's supposed to fill that 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 hole i just i don't i feel like i just don't have that most days so um so just training my brain in the moment to go no no no, no. you 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 don't have anything to prove right now you do because you're um created in the image of the divine which i believe um because you have been pre-installed with a unique imagination which i believe um, and because you're you're living and breathing right here, right now in this present moment, you mm-hmm. actually have something to give whoever you're interacting with right now. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I'm I'm definitely stealing that. By the way, um, please do whatever. I think the more I, people, I honestly, I man, I think the more people who steal that, <laughs> or and 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 steal is too. I mean, it's it's yours. Take it. And the more the more people who who own that, I think the, the better, I mean, I know this is cliche, but I think the, like, the better our world is really going to be. Yeah, I would agree. Um, all right. So we're, we're coming down to the wire here, but there's, there's one, one other thing in the book that I want to make sure we talk about. And then, um, I want to make sure we talk about some of the projects you have going on now. So, um, tell, can you tell us a little more about the granny cloud? Um, <laughs> incidentally, so my, my favorite chapter in the book, hang on, I got to get to it. Um, Oh, we, we share a love for the, the, the movie never ending story yes. um, also, which so is good. fantastic. Such a strong movie. <laughs> um, man, I can't, I just had it. There's, there's a chapter where you talk about it's, it's, oh, here we go. My, my favorite chapter in the book by far, um, 
is gangs, grannies, and a girl from Seven Mile. Mm. Um, and so in that in that chapter, you talk about th- three different things. One of them being the granny cloud, uh, and I just, just such a cool idea. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that uh, and sort of the idea behind it, how that works. What even is that? Yeah, totally not my my idea, but a guy. One of the first TED talks I ever saw was uh, by a guy named Sagata Mitra, who uh, essentially he's a really brilliant educational researcher, and you can go and and you know, Google this, um, but he started something called the granny crowd cloud in which he found that kids in remote areas that don't have access to traditional education learn, I think it's pretty much exponentially. And he's done a, a bunch of other stuff. I could kind of do a whole podcast about, about him, but you should probably just see if he, he'll be on your podcast. I'm sure <laughs> he'll be much better at explaining, uh, his work than I would. But, um, one of the things that fascinated me about him was this creation of the granny, granny cloud, where he found out that kids who, um, live in remote villages, um, all over the world without traditional access to education, um, can compete with educational systems in cities. As long as they have somebody, not necessarily, uh, teaching them as in the traditional sense, but, um, literally just sort of facilitating and encouraging them much like a, uh, a grandmother would, you know, when, when you're hanging out with, with, uh, with, with grandma as a kid and what do they, do they just don't on you all, you know, the whole time. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Tell me more about that. And he found out through, um, research and data that their educational, these kids, uh, these kids test scores jumped by like a ton when you inserted some sort of presence uh by an older adult who who was literally there just like just asking and facilitating and inquiring um someone that they can kind of explain what they were learning to and so what he did was the guy went on craigslist and he said hey i just need retired school moms and and he's he's (laughs) british he was anybody who's you know uh who's, who's been a teacher before um you know would you give an hour of your week and go on Skype and we're going to Skype you in to these kids in these remote villages. And so he created this granny cloud, like, you know, kind of iCloud, like the, the granny cloud, yeah. he, all of these grannies in, um, <laughs> live all now it's all over the world. Um, through Skype are now facilitating and, um, teaching these kids and, uh, giving kids access to education that they normally wouldn't have. And it's, it's been, it's pretty fascinating to watch, um, all of his work, but I just, I, I loved that concept because it's such a weird concept. And, and I think the point yeah. of the book was imagine if this guy, you know, we can, we can make all these excuses about Tagadamitra. Oh, he got a Ted talk. I know he's a really smart guy. He's a, pro- a professor at Newcastle university. Yeah. But at some point he wasn't any of those things and he had to actually go out and go, you know what? I think it'd be a really good idea to, uh, talk to a bunch of retired school moms, get them on Skype and have them talk to kids who don't understand their language, first of all, and yeah. second of all, you know, live in some of the most uneducated, impoverished areas of the entire world. That's a weird idea. There were so yeah. many things that would impede a normal person from actually carrying out those ideas. But what happened? He actually did it. He was methodical about it. He was consistent about it. And now countless kids are getting the education they need in our global community that didn't have that access or ability beforehand. Yeah. It's such a cool idea. Um, I, what I love about that chapter is there's, there's stories about people <clears throat> who are doing it. And like you said, there there's, these are people who are doing it. And then like the fact that they're doing it is what, you know, makes them stand out or, or, it's the reason that anybody notices them in the first place. He, he didn't do a Ted talk and then do all this. He was doing this. Um, and I just, I love that there's people, there's people doing it. They're, they're doing weird things and they're working sometimes and it's crazy. It's so good. It's so good. Um, Awesome. I, how weird is it by the way, to have somebody read your book back to you? Oh, it's so weird. (laughs) So weird. <laughs> I just, I just thought about the, just now I, I'd like, I've, I've been reading passages from your book to you. Um, I'm sure that's a surreal experience. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, 
let's before we get out of here, let's talk about um, some of the awesome stuff that you have going on now. Uh, so there's the book Get Weird, which is available in all formats. Um, but you're not done uh, by a long shot. So uh, you've got some other stuff going on now. So tell us about what you got going on now. Um, and I, I, more importantly, how how we can help or, or get involved. Yeah. So, I mean, if you read the book, you know, I'm a big fan of manifestos. And so I wrote this book as a manifesto because really for the past three years or so, I've had this vision to help do all the stuff that I've been doing for grownups, uh, interviewing creative professionals, writing, speaking, and really do that for kids. I think kids need to know that their imagination can change things for the better. I think it's that is that simple. And so the reason why there's a lot of, you know, dialogue in the book about being the kid that, you know, uh, was weird and was imaginative and, and trying to reconnect with that kid is because really what I want to spend the rest of my life doing is helping people of all ages, especially kids, um, not lose that sacred imagination, that sacred weird, as I talk about in the book. And so what we're starting is a thing called Ring Beller. It's a nonprofit, um, and it's video curriculum for K through five classrooms. And uh, the, 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 really the, the, the main sort of you know, anchor for these videos are, are interviews with creative professionals. So imagine kids watching sort of like a TED Talk. You know, pretty much anybody who's done a TED Talk, they would be a really great candidate for and, and some of our, our, our guests are, you know, Ted alum. Um, but people all over the world doing, Sagatamitra would be a really good example, doing, using their imagination to make the world a better place. So giving kids access to these people and then on the flip side, having these people encourage these kids and saying, hey, did you know that you can use your creativity to make a difference in your community? I believe in you. You can do that. And so we're pairing those interviews then with um, discussion questions that teachers can facilitate, much like the grannies, like they're not having to necessarily prep a whole ton or be the expert. They have to be the facilitator, somebody who can actually bring the class together and get them dialoguing sure. about really important stuff. Um, and then finally, there's a, a group activity that they can do as well. So it's a three-part video lesson, um, you know, and, and it's for uh, different grade levels, K through five. And it's called Ring Beller. And Ring Beller is a... Um, a, a a term that Raul Dahl, uh, who wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and the BFG and Matilda, uh, used to describe a, a really great dream that kids have. So that's why it's called Ring Beller. That's so cool. Um, and there are crazy characters uh, in this. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> and uh, I I saw one was, is it Unk or U, just UNC? Unk, yeah. His okay, name's Unk. Unk. Yeah, which stands um, for Universal Nonsense Collector. But yes. Love it. Love it. And then the other one that took over your account the other day oh, was... Oh, man. I'm still mad at him for that. But uh, Crumbaker <laughs> is a, an alien. He's kind of like um, if Eugene Levy was an alien, um, then you'd get... <laughs> you'd get, you'd get um, or you'd get Crumbaker. But yeah, they... Um, really, the, the narrative behind all these these interviews uh, is, you know, the, uh, we're talking about the planet Ring Builder here. And um, essentially, kids are, are getting a window into the nightly news for uh, the planet Ring Beller that Crumbaker and Unk host. And really the, the top story every night is that um, they've, they've discovered this, this strange energy source found in adult earthlings and child earthlings, but you know, mostly all throughout the earth called imagination. And they're very interested in this energy source. Um, but they realize that if they report or if they, if they, try and investigate directly, go back down to earth in their spaceship. It's, you know, it's going to be a PR nightmare. I mean, remember what happened with the whole <laughs> Roswell situation? None, you know, nobody wants that again. So they found a workaround. They, they started talking to, to child earthling kids because they know that they won't blow their covers. And kids act as reporters in the field. And so every episode, every video starts off with Crumbaker and Unk anchoring the news, and then they go to a reporter in the field, which happens to be a kid, and a kid is interviewing a creative professional. That's so good. I love that so much. Um, and man, that's so good. I love that. So there is, uh, there's currently an Indiegogo right now for this project. Yes. Um, and and the the end date for that is December seventeenth. You said right? Yeah. And honestly, we've got some really great perks. Um, I'm not sure where this air when this airs, but we got a great Giving Tuesday perk. We got a, a, an ornament um, for your tree that says uh, "Be kind all year." 
Um, but we have also really uh, a bunch of other fun perks where if you, if I think if you donate 150 bucks, um, Crumbaker and Unc will actually, will actually video a, a custom message to the child of your choice, <laughs> uh, the kid of your choice. So imagine, you know, having your, your son or your daughter, or your niece or your nephew or your cousin go, you know, Hey, you know, Johnny, like we, we just really believe in you. We think that you've got such a great imagination and, um, we hope you have a great year in, in school. We're, we're cheering you on. That's, um, so that's cool. another perk. So yeah, um, and any any amount really helps. Um, we're we're raising a bunch of money to actually get this off the ground, and um, this is a big year for us. 2019, we'll be piloting our fourth grade version of the curriculum in uh, a bunch of different schools schools throughout the country. So cool, uh, and it's makeschoolsawesome.com. Makeschoolsawesome.com. Okay. Yep, makeschoolsawesome.com. Um, I signed up. Um, and so, uh, I will have a giveaway. I really appreciate um, for, that for, for somebody for the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's such a great project project. I, I love what you're doing. Um, so I, and I, we're going to keep talking about this on the podcast. I'm going to get this episode up as soon as possible. So we've got enough time to, to really get the message out, but I think it's so cool. Thanks so much, man. Yeah. We're really um, excited. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Last question for you. Um, for and then we'll wrap up. Uh, the podcast is called good humans. Um, and so the question I like to ask everybody, because everybody's got a different perspective, uh, it, from your perspective in your mind, your experience, um, what do you feel like being a good human is? What does that look like? How do we do that? Um, what does that even mean? Yeah, I think being a good human is, I think recognizing that we do have an imagination and that's something that's really uniquely uniquely pre-installed in in humans. I mean, I don't know, maybe monkeys and dogs and fish have an imagination. We don't we don't really know that, but w- what we've seen throughout history is human beings um, with the unique ability to think something internally and then bring it to life. And so I think bringing things to life um, things that are, are broken, things that are dead, things that are wrong, bringing those to life in new and unique ways is um, what the human experience is, is, is really all about. And um, there's a bunch of different ways that we can do that. But yeah, uh, if you want to find out more about what I think about what human humanity looks like and how to bring things to life and the intersection between that and love and kindness and uniqueness and creativity uh, i think a great place to start is the book that's i I love it i would agree that's a great place (laughs) to start um cj if people want to get a hold of you if they want to find more uh on like the projects or things that you're working on what's what's the best way for for people to find you and and information on all that stuff yeah if you go to my name is cj.com that's uh that's where it all is and so i we both talked about how my last name is just it's even i can't even pronounce it some days but um (laughs) so just forget my last name and just just type in my name is cj.com and there you go that's awesome um i i think what you're doing is great i think it's needed uh and i i really sincerely wish you all the best um and I, I really appreciate you making the time for this. I, I think this is a great episode. I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of people. Well, thanks, brother. You too. I think you're doing a good thing. Um, just thank you. Putting out good stuff and, and stuff that reminds us what what it means to be human. That's that's a that's a really noble a noble cause. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, don't forget to go to audible.com to pick up your free copy if you're signing up for a trial of Audible of Get Weird, the uh, audiobook. Um, or just get it somehow, get the book somehow. Uh, you won't regret it and check out make Bye everybody. Until next week, be good to each other. Mm-hmm.